Welcome to another edition of Engaging the Generations, an online conversation platform for cultivating intergenerational relationships at home, in the church, and in our communities in which every generation matters, every generation is valued, and all are engaged with one another in meaningful and purposeful ways. I'm your host of Engaging the Generations, Kevin Harper. And I'm Sarah Greenstreet, co-host of Engaging the Generations. So Sarah, in our previous episode with Dr. Stecker, who is the executive director and founder of a Chosen Generations ministry, he gave us he gave us some pretty helpful insights into some of the reasons that intergenerational ministry is not doing well in the typical local church today. He really did. And I thought it was super helpful to understand why the terminologies we use tell us a lot about how we approach this matter of generation to generation relationship. It was so enlightening to understand the differences he discussed, you know, between uh, cross-generational, the marketing, multi-generational, sitting together in a service and intergenerational, just doing life together. Yeah, that was so, so intriguing. I mean, that was just uh, really eye-opening for me <laughs> to get those kind of descriptions. So we ended that episode with Chuck talking briefly about the importance of speaking directly to men in our congregations. So I want to hear more about that. So let's pick up where we left off in that conversation. Chuck, I can share just a little bit more about this principle that you mentioned about talking to the men. And the need we have to create those opportunities to make change. Can can you give us some specific examples? I had a an event uh, that I went and spoke at, and probably twenty percent of the young guys were under eighteen. Man, I asked the guy, I said, "You know, this is just incredible. It really is." And I had seen some things we had talked through and so forth about the young men there. I said, "How do you do it?" He goes, "Well, you're the intergenerational guy. I mean, you should tell me." I said, "No, you're doing some things here." He said, "Well, Chuck, you know, first of all, we've invested in." The- student ministry program. You know, we didn't want the youth pastor to be our adversary. And, you know, we've had this conversation that when you silo the ministry, you create competition. You know, who do they belong to, right? And so you create that competition rather than completion, create that you get away from this idea that there's this constant flow where you move them, you know, and so forth. But he says, here's what we did. We started off with uh, we wanted the the youth pastor to be our friend, and we wanted to. So we started taking him out to dinner, and he and his wife. <coughs> we got together and did things for he and his wife to get away. And I mean, we just did this because we wanted him to know we were here in this together. We included him in the planning, right? He said, but. You know, we uh, most churches, it's an afterthought. They tell the youth pastor, all right, we're having this men's to bring some of the younger guys, right? Well, he didn't like those anyway, and he didn't like the youth pastor anyway, and no, no matter how nice you try to make, you know. And so bottom line is they bring him in this, right? And what happened is on the night they announced at a church, they got three or four guys that show up and they got camo on and they're carrying a shotgun in, not loaded, but a bow and, you know, all of this and a hunting knife. And they walk in and they're off to the side. And the youth pastor says, I want all of our young men 13 and up to step over with, you know, the guys here. And they flat lay it out. We're having an event. You're one, you're some of the men who regard you. We want to help you get there. Would you there? And they also lay it out and say, look, you know, here's information to take to your dad. And he also say, look, if your dad, if your parents don't go here, we'll be happy to contact your dad for, you know, and invite him to be a prop. Well, that, and here's the other thing. I saw this in action, Kevin. Flew out there on a Thursday. My son and I, Chad, were the speakers. And uh, so we spoke to the youth group Thursday. 
night is spoke. They had already presented everything. And so on Friday morning, there was a breakfast. Well, what the, the men's ministry leader always did is he went to a couple of guys and said, I need you to buy me a cabin. There's eight eight guys in a cabin. I need you for a cabin. So he had these tickets. Now, he didn't segregate them with the young guys all in this cabin, this here. I mean, they integrated them all the way. But he had those tickets to give, right? So we get through speaking on Friday, Miss Breakfast, and our son was there. And guys, okay, he's 41, so, he's, so he was a lot young. And then he just lit it up with the power of being together. And I watched. I just happened to catch that a young guy, we get through with this. He goes to his dad and he says, dad, I want to. Now it started that night. Okay. It was up in California. It was a two hour drive away. It started that night and we're on Friday morning. Young guy's 15 years old. What I would find out later is that dad had lost his job and things were pretty tight. Right. And the, uh, the dad's trying to be nice about it and say, son, you know, maybe next year it's Friday. It's a little late. You're not registered and this and that. And the men's ministry leader walked up to him, caught that. And he says, hey, listen, he says, I just heard what you said, that he said, I've got a guy that's not using his ticket. And he gave it back to me. Well, it was one that wasn't because he had guys buy a, a cabin and he had a hip pocket for this thing. We paid. For. And he said, man, it's going to go to waste. If he wants to go. We got guys he can jump in with. He needs camping equipment. I can get him today and you know everything that he needs. And I thought this kid was going to cry. I thought the dad was a cry. He just by the dad letting his son go, just made the daddy. He said, absolutely right. And the young guy went. And so he did this and they targeted this and brought this in. Well, even in the cabins, he made sure in the cabins that it wasn't just this little clique of guys, you know, that comes into this cabin. And then the young guys are over there and that you get this where there's that intergenerational piece of it. I was up at a lay up at a, uh, a camp with guys been about four years later and uh, about four years ago, and they had small group tables, but the guys were assigned to. Okay. So the men's ministry leaders assigned the leaders, they prepped them, but they spread out the age at every single table. So every table had a minimum of three generations, call it. Many of them had four. And you see it with the iron sharpens iron. Okay. Brian Doyle has really done a good way for all these years because Brian and I talked originally, right? And it was 15 and up, all men 15 and up. Now it's 13 because he read the book, you know, 13, when God transformed them from a child to an adult and we want the in there. And I have seen some of the remarkable things just by having the young guys brought in story after. So you got to do it with intentionality. You got to target, you got to work with the leadership and so forth. Okay. And that's a key, that's a key factor, isn't it, Chuck, is the leadership of the church itself. Because if they're not on board uh, philosophically, Yes. This whole understanding of the intergenerational, the ecclesia, yes. the body Perfect. of Christ, what that really means, then it's kind of a lost cause. So I don't know how many pastors are listening to this podcast, but I know there's a lot of people listening to us who, who go to church and are probably saying, how do I, how do I begin to start this conversation with my pastor? Uh, yeah. Would you give them any advice on that? Sure. Okay. So, so the conversation starts and it doesn't have to be the younger guys. Remember when we're talking generation, a lot of it is that we've been franchised also this encore as well. So it's the idea that, you know, in bringing them back into it and you see this wealth that's there. I know, you know, the greatest generation, you know, the books written and all of that stuff. And it's very valid, but we've got a generation right now that's valuable generation. It really is because 
they they're better trained, they're better educated. They're but you go down through, they have more disposable time. Many of them more disposable income, even with the economy, you know, whatever. But we've still got, you know, a lot of this going on. And it's the opportunity that and and part of it is for me, um, one of the things we and I gotta be very careful that when you reach out in a group like this, I hear it messed up into the definition. There's nothing wrong with an estatus, meaning that handpick guys and gals, different generations, and start with them, right? And tell them, you to start this process. And other people say, well, hey, I want to do that. I say, well, you know, it's a it's a handpicked group right now. They said, well, pick me. Well, right now, this is what we're starting with. If it's something you're interested in, you know, the next time. And that, because, you know, Kevin, you know, and I know, <clears throat> you don't get a second chance for a first start. So you've got to be sure as you walk through your first start on this, Kevin, that you're picking some guys and, you know, for the women's over here, you're picking some guys over here, right? And, you know, you start so many of the churches we've been in for rites of passage hasn't been because of the pastor. It's been because of someone who's earned the right to speak to the pastor, says, here's what I've heard to take a look at. So it's not always the pastor, Kevin. And very often it's somebody that's earned the right to speak to the pastor, has a voice, right? And not someone that's threatening the pastor with their job. Well, if you don't do this, we're going to a church that does, right? But here's something for the pastor, you know, with sincerity and honesty saying, this is this is something we need to take a look at. We can see the results. We can see what's happening. Yeah, and that's uh, that's really key. So when you're talking, though, about handpicking some people who kind of will participate with you in this conversation, what are there particular qualities that you're looking for? Um, personality types? I mean, what would we be looking for in order to bring together that group of people who could perhaps earn a voice? Here's, here's, here's my quick quick answer. Availability. And what I mean by that is, you know, you could go out and get and then go, yeah, you know, we'd really like to do it. But you understand here, three days out of the, you know, three Sundays out of a month, because I'm traveling. But the hunger that you identify, and it's a question of how do you feel about the young guys? What do we, it's just kind of some of those questions. And the guys are, you know what? I would love to be a part of this. I'd love to be, you know, this process. And uh, and I will tell you something else that the pastor that did that did what I'm going to tell you, the Lord. And the pastor said, Chuck, we need to get guys together that know each other and develop relations before we even start eight. Okay. And he says, here's what I'm doing. And he picked 12 different activities <laughs> and he had guys in the church that were kind of the leads for each one. I mean, he had one guy that, you know, others that had done, um, that had done 14 years. One of them was a golf guy, but what he did is he had these 12. Okay. And, um, one was golf, one was baseball. One was just having, they did all of these one road motorcycle, right? Different things One was bicycle and that, but he said, what we're going to do is we're going to have a breakfast for the guys. And man, he's the pastor stepped up. He flat stepped up and the guys, first he had the 12 guys each activity, but he also went to the guys and said, okay, I, I need you as your pastor. That's a great statement, by the way, is as your pastor, right? As your pastor, uh, I need this breakfast. Well, he had a sheet of paper. Says, Chuck, if we just get you know half a sheet on each one, then each of the guys in the lead had the responsibility to contact them. They had to do three events in the summer, July and August. He says, all we're going to do, we're going to do activities together. Guys talk shoulder to shoulder. Guys, and you know, John Eldridge has written great stuff on right. And so, in any event, he says, and hey, Chuck, you're going to speak this. So I did, and that. But what I told the guys too, I says, look, if you sign up for one thing and you know you got vacation, your kids playing soccer, you could easily miss 
just two of those and you get one. I said, you need to sign up for at least two or, and whether you can do them all, you're going to go, guys, and I'm going to, and I did filled up the entire page on Saturday morning. And we're still doing this on Sunday after each service, filled up the entire page and the guys were turning them over. They had to go to the office that afternoon and print new. And this thing just exploded, Kevin, because it was this thing you'll bring your son to this thing, do this, bring your son to this. And you know, that group of of that activities. And you know, that was 10 years ago. I just got an email earlier, what was last week, that the guy that had headed up this breakfast, right? Let's just get together and have breakfast. Send an email out and says, well, it's that time of the month again. Let's uh, see who's available for breakfast. And there's still about seven or eight guys that gather that came together because of. Now we've gone through another pastor at that church and another one and this group, things have changed, but that group got together and doing breakfast. Okay. And uh, it was pretty significant. And some of the others in terms of different activities. So yeah, you you do. That's a that's one of those ideas that I I learned from that pastor, and he was absolutely rock solid. He knew what he was. He said, "Let's get to what we ask him." To. So you do some things. Finality that says okay. And so that's a that's a that's a lot of it. Yeah, and I and I love that you said. You know, we're not necessarily looking for the most popular people, the uh, the biggest uh, known people that are going to get involved in doing these things, but people that have the hunger and availability. Yeah, and um, that that's really key. So that people may be listening to this who, th- who may be saying oh. to themselves, "Yeah, I just you know, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of skills and ability, but I really have this hunger. I want to see this culture. Become, yeah. I want to be a part of this intergenerational kind of a culture, the ecclesia of Christ." Um, those are the people we're looking for to step forward and say, we Kevin, can. If they just went for the best looking guys, you and I would have to do everything. Boy, I tell you, we would. What can I say? <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. So uh, uh, let me just ask you this kind of final thing. Um, assuming that there are some pastors who may be listening, what would you say to pastors today about where we are as a church and where we need to be? Well, I said it earlier, the church is in real trouble. Uh, yeah, the reasons for the church being in trouble is um, we're trying to teach the generation. We're not trying to engage them relationally, and we're relegating that to volunteers that we say have a calling to your children. That if you're not an intergenerational church, you're going to be put in a position of reinventing the wheel every time. Because if you do not change the culture in which you're launching a program, you're just launching a program every year. You're going to have to start it. Now we watch men's ministry, women's do better with continuity. They really do. But we see this all the time of the relaunching, and so much of that is is because we do not have an intergenerational culture that is really. And here's you know. Um, you know, Scott Hyman is president of CSP, a great friend. And I remember an event that they did, and I, I got to speak at that, their 75th anniversary. And they had several hundred young guys. They had this massive lake and finished that session at night, pitch blackout. And everyone was told to file out without speaking. As they walked out, they were hand torch. And let me tell you the hours that went into making these torches. That was a piece of wood, I mean, a tree that was cut and they got them all the same size, wrapped the burlap, sold it and, you know, soaked it in coal oil. And they had several runs at this to time it, to see how long it would last and make sure they knew what they had. So there's like 300 guys at this. And I just saw the pig on my phone and, and they, and it changed some things with CSB who started off saying, pass the baton. And I said, here, 
Here's what they did. They had all those torches and the guys went out and they filed around this lake. It took about 20, they were all hands. They're standing pitch black around this lake. Four different places, a sage would walk up. One of the guys that had been CSB for a hundred with a lit, he would step him and they're all the generation, all the ages, the leaders and, it, and they would light it. And that guy, and you've seen it in churches with the candles and stuff. And, and I know that's impressive at church. But when those torches were lit all around massively, it was absolutely. And see, when you take your torch and you light somebody else's, yours stays. When you hand the baton, you're, now they have it and run along. When you light that torch, yours stays lit and you can light another. But so can. But then here's what happened. Finish the. They then filed back around the lake in place, all with their torches. And there was this small but it was ready to be lit. The bond one by one, they that every torch in part of. And I will tell you, Kevin, um, you know, I'm tougher than Superman, kneecap and Chinese faces. You can't go through something like that without two. And then I had to speak after that. So I'm standing at the bonfire with these hundred, several hundred guys standing around, right? And after they had done that and I had seen that, then they expected me to speak. And I got God bumps and I had tears in my eyes. Don't tell anybody I did, but, you know, I'll deny it. But I mean, I'm just choked up watching this and what that set off in that movement. They still use that passing, the, okay, where you're lighting another man. Keep his, keep yours to light another. So, you know, you look at some things like that and, you know, CSB went through because everybody thought they were, they were a boys ministry. And years ago, they had a president who's a good friend of mine before Scott. In fact, he said, we're not. We're a men's ministry. We can get all the boys we want. What we can't get is, and if we want to reach all the boys, we've got to raise more men, right? And that's what they set out to do, all right? Is yeah. to raise more men because then those men wanted to, the yeah. boys and the young men. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of Paul's comments, Timothy and Second Timothy, fan into flame, the gifts yeah. that you've been given. Yeah. 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 No, that was the, you know, you got to go back to 1997, right? Stay in the gap. And so that was the one, but the, the year before in February was the pastors come. And not as many people remember that because there was only about 40,000 pastors compared to the, you know, million four, whatever, almost whatever there. But fan in the flame was the for the pastor. So Chuck, how can people learn more about a chosen generation and opportunities uh, for you to speak? Where would you send them? Go to our website. It's www. And you have to have the A, A chosen generation. Dot or you can just send an email to info at achosengeneration.org. And I will certainly respond to that, send them things that could be helpful. Passing the torch. That's a powerful symbol. Wouldn't you say, Sarah, of what it means to build into the lives of another generation? Yeah. You know, Kevin, I think it's just so important. Um, I think it's not only important, but I do think as as believers, we have a responsibility to grow the generations beneath us and to continue to do that and be supportive of them. Uh, but not only is it really important to just do it, it's important to be that example for the younger generations as well of what it looks like to pour into each other and to be supportive and um, not just, you know, pass the baton and then continue on, but really to pass the flame and to continue to have your own flame and really just you know, be that example of a believer in Christ who's trying to build other disciples. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it really is important. And and if you're a church listener listening to this, I, I want to challenge you to take a good look at the culture that reflects your own church community. You know, does it adequately exhibit the intergenerational nature of the body of Christ? I mean, really, can you honestly say that? And if not, 
what will you do to begin a process of changing that culture to align with Christ's purposes for his church? And if you're not a pastor, are you willing to step out and and boldly come to your pastor and say, hey, could we talk about this? We urge you to reach out to Dr. Stecker at A Chosen Generation and consider how he could help your church as a speaker and resources you will certainly want to check out. Let me give you the website again. It's www.achosengeneration.org. Thanks, Sarah. And we both look forward to being with you, our listeners, for our next podcast episode where we will hear from others who are committed to seeing more intergenerational relationships that reflect the true nature of the body of Christ in our day. By the way, I'd love to hear from you about our topics, topics you would like to see us discuss and address on engaging the generations. Whatever your generation, tell me what you want to talk about. You can send your suggestions to Cavin, that's C-A-V-I-N, at CavanHarper.com. Until next time, I'm Sarah Greenstreet. And I'm Cavin Harper, challenging you to be intentional and faithful in commending the mighty works of God and His truth to another generation. God bless.